0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Liam Mecklem, KCBS foodie chap with Bobo Van Meckelen. We are talking Chimay beer, a great brew. Good to see you, Bobo.
1: Good to see you too. I have to ask you, before we talk about the name Chimay, what's behind the name Bobo? The name Bobo, I got my nickname when I was about uh, 14, 15 years old. We uh, were on vacation on the coast uh, in Belgium, uh, a couple young uh, fellows, and uh, each of we gave each other a nickname, and mine, mine worked. And uh, so uh, everybody in my hometown uh, called me Bobo. Then when I moved to the United States in 1979, uh, in Texas, uh, Luc van Mecklen was... Uh, a little bit of a difficult uh, name. And I said, uh, well, I have a nickname, guys. Uh, man, it's Bobo. And they say, oh, Bubba.
0: <laughs> I said, no, no, it's really it. a Bobo. <laughs> so your relationship uh, with Chimay goes back many, many years. Let's talk about you, firstly, growing up in, Be- in Belgium. Where did you grow up? Uh, and tell me about life growing up.
1: I, uh, I grew up in uh, Leuven, Belgium. It's a very old uh, university town. Uh, goes Catholic University goes back to 1452. Uh, my family uh, originally, uh, they are Dutch. Uh, my great-grandfather was a Dutchman and uh, the, he was a professor of language in Palma de Mallorca. And my grandfather was born in Palma. My great-grandmother didn't support the, uh, the summers. And uh, so they decided to move back north. And instead of moving back to the Netherlands, uh, they settled on, uh, on Belgium and my hometown, Leuven. So, uh, so three, gener- actually almost four generations of the Van Mecklenz, uh, is in some form or another, were in the hotel and the restaurant business. And there is still a famous bar on the Grand Place called Gambrinus. That is uh, run by the youngest brother of my father and is some four generation now.
0: So, in your family, in the pub business since eighteen eighty, mm-hmm. uh, what are your memories uh, growing up, uh, and your memories of uh, of being in a brew pub? Uh, what was what was being poured in the pub when you were growing
1: up? Well, being, uh, the major brewery in town, being Stella Artois, so uh, Stella was always one of the uh, the main uh, lagers uh, being pulled there. And uh, in Belgium at the time, most there were usually only three tap handles. Yeah. So you usually had a lager, uh, some German style beer, and usually a dark Abbey style. Sure. Uh, because in those days there was no Trappist on draft. So, yeah. so there was usually a darker Abbey Abbey style beer.
0: And you know, the monks, more than anyone else on the planet, learned very early on how to make great beer. Tell me about that marriage of monks and beer well the uh,
1: the, the, the monks were uh, kicked out uh, by Napoleon out of France and uh, thank,
0: thank you Napoleon yeah, thank you
1: <laughs> so because he apparently had a disagreement with the Pope and uh, started uh, uh, repossessing all the the real estate of the church in France, so a lot of the monasteries got burned down or destroyed, so yeah. So they moved north, but they couldn't go too far north because then they were in Lutheran territory, yeah. so that's why they kind of stuck in Belgium and we don't have any grapes in Belgium right. so that's why they that's why they uh, they got into uh, they got into uh, producing beer and uh, because if if they would have stayed in France, as you know, Benedictines they make Benedictine liquor or they make chartreuse or Don Perignon supposedly invented the champagne. So yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, monks got into the bit. Now, at Chimay, they always told me that uh, in, uh, they, were, uh, they were farmers because they, they had cows and, and, uh, and a farm, uh, organic farmers, uh, before organic was fashionable. And uh, they were uh, vegetarians. Yeah. So some of the monks were complaining uh, to the, the father-up, the head of the community, and said, hey, we're getting a little weak here. We feel dehydrated. And and so uh, the father-up, being an, um, a very clever man, he said, well, we'll produce beers. It'll get you hydrated and get all the vitamins in it. Perfect. Yeah. The perfect brew. In- I remember being, uh, as, a, as a young kid... Uh, you know, if you wanted to, if your uncle or your, your father, whoever had a car at the time and was able to travel in to the countryside, if they wanted to drink a good Trappist beer, they pretty much did a Sunday afternoon drive to the monastery sure. and get uh, went to their uh, hospitality room yeah. and then brought a the case back home. And it's, it's really, I would say, probably in the 70s, in the 80s when uh, the grocery store business became. Uh, more popular because in yeah. uh, you know when I was a young a young kid my mother still used to go to the butcher mm-hmm. uh, to the baker to the pastry oh, yeah. you know there was not there was not a, a general grocery store and to maybe go. the milkman would drop off the milk. Oh, well, when the beer was delivered at your house too. Yeah. You know, soft drinks and beer delivered at the house. So I would say that uh, like in the seventies, eighties you started to see some of these and Chimay was pretty, it's only two miles from the French border yeah. towards Luxembourg, so it was and, quite and remote. And Chimay is a little town, uh, Chimay, uh,
0: close to Luxembourg. What's behind the name Chimay? What does it mean?
1: Well, the uh, the name of the monastery is... Well, wait, cheers. Uh, cheers. <laughs> the, name, the name of the monastery, if if you look at a bottle of Chimay, you will see it's engraved in a bottle. It says, Abilie de Notre-Dame de Scourmont. That is the name of the monastery. But the monks received the land from the Prince of Chimay in 1850 Uh, so 12 years later, 1862 they started producing uh, beer, they called the beer Chimay in the name of uh, the Prince of Chimay now, today,
0: you're the president and ambassador Uh Uh, folks who know Chimay, especially here in America they know you, Bobo, the guy behind it the face of Chimay, um but I want to mention, your first job was in the family pub. Before uh-huh. you were pulling pints, you were doing what?
1: In, uh, I was washing dishes in the basement. Uh, we started at the bottom together, <laughs> yeah. Bobo. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much how you... Uh, my grandfather was pretty old-fashioned uh, uh, professional chef, and so you you started in the kitchen. Uh, and my first job was, uh, was if the mate was sick or somebody didn't show up for work and it was a summer vacation they would call up my father and said hey does he want to make a little extra money yeah. and i would go and uh, be in the basement washing dishes for six hours sure yeah
0: um years later uh, a friend would invite you to austin texas mm-hmm. uh, and you would begin a new chapter in your life in austin here in america uh so, tell me about the first year in america uh how was it coming here? Uh, and what, what did you imagine life would be like in America?
1: Well, it's, uh, I, my intentions were just to come and, and pay a, a visit to my friends. I had, I had no clue that uh, 37 uh, years later we would still, uh, I would still be in the United States. So I came and uh, spent some time. And in the, the, I came the first time to the United States in 19... 19- uh, seventy five. I uh, spent quite a bit of time, spent some time in Mexico, uh, went through the Bahamas and, and back home. And the, the, the most impressive uh, thing about Texas, first of all, people were extremely friendly. Uh, and the vast openness, when you come from a small country like Belgium, uh, I remember driving, and and I looking at a map, and go like, well, I should be there, and you still got three hours to drive. <laughs> the big I mean, open it, roads. It was, yeah. yeah, miles and miles of yeah. Texas is not an exaggeration.
0: And nobody so, thinks anything of driving two hundred miles yeah. to go somewhere.
1: No. Uh, yeah, even when I go back to Europe now and I said, oh, I'm in Paris uh, in the morning and then I go to Brussels and the next day I drive back to Paris, they go, are you crazy? I said, well, it's closer than going to Houston or Dallas for me, you know.
0: No, no big deal. No. Tell me about Chimay.
1: What makes it special? Well, if, uh, if any of uh, the people ever make it to the, the monastery of Chimay and you have a chance to talk to a monk, and I, as I asked in the past, I said, Father, what is the secret of Chimay? There's always the same answer. Water and yeast. They're in a plateau in the Belgian Ardennes, and water has been seeping there, been filtered naturally for millions of years. And uh, according to the Father Monk at the time, as was Father Thomas he says, we are blessed with the quality of the water that most of the brewers they may have to change the ph of the water a little bit but for Chimay it's 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 perfect also being farmers and never used any pesticides so they they spend an enormous amount of time make sure that no pesticides seep in their wells uh, because now there's a couple of roads closer by and there's can be an accident so immediately a lot of uh, drainage is being constructed so in case there is a, a fuel leak or whatever doesn't yeah. doesn't seep into their wells then number two uh, it's their yeast so whenever she made that you drink today the yeast goes back to 1948 now why 1948 because the monastery was occupied by the German army and the monks were kicked out of the monastery so they lost their yeast so rebuilding took him several years to get the money together and one monk for three years it was actually father Thomas, that i still had the privilege to know in the early days that i was uh, going to Chimay. spent three years of life making a small micro brew with a different yeast strain till he came up with the perfect yeast of Chimay. so you still in all the beers of Chimay that they produce and uh, they they have four beers uh, the, the fourth beer it's called Doré. Not too many people know about it because that's their table beer. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, most people we know the Grand Reserve, the Premier, the first one they brewed, and then the triple that we're drinking uh, here today.
0: So when bakeries talk about the starter dough, mm-hmm. this is very similar, right?
1: Yes. It's a repropagation if you, if you ever uh, will have uh, an opportunity to visit. Unfortunately, the brewery is not open to the public, but we can get you in by appointment. Yeah uh usually for people that are in the industry or people that are really dedicated to to go and uh want to see how the beer is uh, produced so they repropagate that same yeast so uh so they they brew about uh five times a week they they don't work on the weekends uh they they don't work 24 hours a day uh so they uh the beer uh, gets in a tank and it depends on of the style of the beer if it's double or the the Grand Reserve you got 3 to 5 days uh, fermentation in the tank yeah. then we put it in a tanker truck yeah. put a little bit more candy sugar and more yeast in it sure. and we take it to the uh, bottling facility yeah. that is 7 miles down the road sure. now people go like why is the bottling facility 7 miles because it's a monastery, and we need to keep everything very quiet. And that's where the 18-wheelers come in to pick up the beer. And, you know, as you know, in Europe, they bring the old bottles of beer back, and they get cleaned. So you've got a lot of noise. So it's a tremendous amount of noise. So that's why they build that seven miles away. And also, uh, second fermentation in the bottle, 27 days, that takes a lot of space. And that, that wouldn't be possible at a yeah. monastery. So if you drive up to the monastery, you will never know there is a brewery there. So the only thing that gives it away, if they're brewing, you would smell it. Sure, yeah. But, but uh, even when we need to put new tanks in, they open up the roof, take the roof apart and lower the tank into the brewery. Now, that only happens every 15 or 20 years yeah. when there is a small expansion to the brewery.
0: But to this very day, the monks are behind this great brew.
1: Yes, Uh, so there's three rules Uh, very important the difference between an Abbey beer and a Trappist beer Uh, it needs to be brewed inside the walls of the monastery no commercial investors and majority of their net proceeds need to be given away to charities so if you drink a Shimei you do a good deal
0: (laughs) I love that so I've done my good deed for the day
1: yes you did and again tomorrow yes and the day after Uh, yeah so uh, uh, in the in in the mid in the mid uh, 1990s, the six and one Dutch Trappist monastery came together to protect the name Trappist. So they made an associ- association of uh, Trappist monasteries. There are about 172 in the world, but only 11 produce beer. Wow. But some of them make cheeses. They make, you know, they all need to make some kind of living. Uh, but they wanted to protect the name because a lot of commercial brewers in Belgium started to use the name Trappist style sure. for their darker or their specialty yeah. beer, and so yeah. the monks said we need to protect our name. So it's a little bit like uh, sh- uh, Champagne needs to be from the Champagne region, Absolutely. or Cognac or Calvados. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's why you see always a little uh, there's a little stamp on the side of a Chimay or any Trappist that says authentic. Trappist product. Yeah. So it's to protect their name.
0: You travel all over. You're in. You're in San Francisco. Uh, the beer industry uh, in the Bay Area is growing. Lots of small, little microbreweries, uh, brew pubs popping up all over. People love the beer here.
1: Oh yeah, the uh, the West Coast is is always been. I I remember coming here the first time. I think I set foot in San Francisco. I was in. Eighty-one or eighty-two, maybe, and uh, my fr- my friend that uh, lived there uh, introduced me to the Anchor, to the Anchor Brewery, oh, who yeah. was basically oh, yeah. the the grandfather of the craft beer in the United States. Look at them now, and uh, yeah, and uh, when I came here, I mean, they was in Texas. They were still drinking slits. Sure, there was no there was no craft beer. Yeah, it's a good time to be in yeah. the beer industry. Yes, and I, I basically uh, uh, probably more than ten years ago, I told the Belgiums I said, "This is gonna, you're gonna see, this is gonna be like the wine business." Yeah. And uh, they, when the uh, when the Californian wines, or the, particularly the Napa wines, went to France and beat uh, a Bordeaux and a Burgundy, Judgment of Paris, 1976, it changed the it changed the wine the wine world shook shook up the wine world. And, uh, and I think there is actually last night I was uh, at the famous beer bar here in San Francisco Toronado yeah. uh, with the owner Dave Keane he, he's turning 30 years old this bar is 30 years old and we uh, had some beers that uh, were produced by uh, local California breweries particularly for him in the sour style the lambic styles yeah. And I said, my God, you can take this beer, go to the Grand Place in Brussels and let any Belgian drink this, and he's going to go, is this brewed by such and such in Belgium? Yeah. So there is amazing, uh, amazing, amazing uh, American crab brewers that make great, a be- uh, from Maine, uh, Russian River, uh, you know. Up, up north in Yonville, in Yeah. Firestone uh, in Walker. Firestone. I mean...
0: Ah. It's, it's amazing. I want to know how many beers you had last night,
1: Bobo. Uh, quite a few. <laughs> quite a few. It was a very good evening. Uh, uh, we went to, uh, what was it? Mama G's. Mama G's, yeah. A very interesting. Uh, <laughs> Chinese restaurant, but yeah. they happen to have Chimay on draft. Yeah, it's uh, a great restaurant. opened up, and the food is just spectacular. Yeah. Well, what I love now, in so
0: many places, you go to a restaurant, you get the wine list, and you get the beer list. Mm-hmm. And the beer list is impressive, and those yeah. beer lists are growing.
1: And, and uh, for the longest time, particularly in San Francisco, I remember stories selling, uh, trying to sell Chimay to white tablecloth restaurants. And the maitre d' would come out and uh, beer, right? he goes, we don't sell any beer, we drink we drink wine. And then the chef would stick his head out of the kitchen, he goes, oh, Chimay guy, best beer in the world. And the maitre d' would look at, at the chef and say, well, you know this? He goes, yeah, everybody knows Chimay. And, uh, and it, it took a long time, but now... You know, you, uh, you, you go into a fine white tablecloth and they still drink the wine with their meal. Sure. But before, somebody may want to have a beer and they drink a good beer. Well, let me tell you, the best
0: sommeliers in the world, the best chefs in the world, when they are not uh,
1: drinking wine, when they're off-duty... Yeah. They're reaching for a Chimay. I, uh, I remember doing a tour of the wine country probably uh, 15 years ago, and these guys, oh, Chimay. And they would open up their little uh, cooler in their in their office and, <laughs> and say, look what I got in the cooler. Yeah. And so uh, there usually was a bottle Chimay Premier or Grand Reserve. So, yeah. Bobo, it's a Sunday. We're at your house.
0: you got Chimay on, on the table. What are we going to eat with it for your Sunday supper? Well,
1: uh, I... Uh, I uh, make you know i'm the cook in the house uh obviously since i had a since i the re- is, is that your butler saying dinner's ready yeah, i don't know <laughs> this is somebody from us it's Beacon. all right there know. we go it's uh, the there chimes go. are going so yeah. sunday Actually, if you notice these are the church bells, and i always yeah. make a joke oh the monks are calling the monks me <laughs> are calling. the monks
0: are calling yeah. so sunday supper your house shimei on the table what are we eating well,
1: it depends. Like the uh, triple goes very well with seafood. Uh, if in the summer you know it's a hundred degrees, I may have a shrimp salad or you know something or uh, or smoked salmon or something uh, a little cooler with a with a salad. Uh, if you drink uh, Premier, that goes that goes well with chicken. Now, if it's very if it's a little cooler in the winter, uh, you probably may drink a Grand Reserve with a more of a. Uh, creamy heavier uh a little bit gamey uh wow. those kind of sure. those kind of food yeah. and uh sign me up i'll have one of each oh yeah uh, you're welcome anytime you come through austin you're welcome to come by my house i uh, actually not too long ago there was a little uh, cold front coming through and i said oh flemish too <laughs> poured me a nice little bottle of ground reserve in there and let it let it uh let it cook all afternoon so it was wonderful well boo boo Great hearing your story. We could talk for hours, I'm
0: sure. We could drink for hours together as well. Uh, thank you for sharing this chame with me. We're going to share the beer notes uh, and more on Bobo's story at cbssf.com and click on Foodie Chap. Cheers, my friend.
1: Cheers. And as they say in Belgium... or <laughs> <laughs> Exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy